Well, hello. Welcome to The Therapist Invitation. I'm Mark Mayfield. I'm Trevor Sharon. Sorry, I got really distracted. We have a TV up behind the camera. He was looking at, looking at himself. <laughs> yeah, and then I was like, I can't be looking at the TV. I got to look at the lens. <laughs> Trevor Sharon. <laughs> well, I hope you all are doing well. It's been an interesting uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, just in our, you know, we're now solidly into 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, this will probably come out sometime in, what, February, March. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so you know what 2021, January has been like. It's like a repeat of 2020 with bunch of different things but it's just getting Lots better chaos. but i think you know looking at the positives and, and focusing totally. on that you know there's one at the end of the year uh, yeah which is helpful but so today's topic is something that i've been thinking about you know it's more of a question like do you remember what it was like to be like a junior in high school mm-hmm. and and i and i know you and i are very much alike that all of our friends were seniors mm-hmm because we just didn't deal with people in our own age group really well. Yeah, I don't know if I was accepted very well by my well, class. I wasn't either. <laughs> yeah. part I, of I was either liked by the freshmen or the seniors. Yep. <laughs> you know, just sophomores thought I was an idiot, and juniors were just like, yep. what's wrong with you? But do you remember what it was like to come to the end of your junior year and realize that all your friends were graduating and that you were still going to be stuck as yep. a senior? Yep. Um, I think the question I was thinking about is kind of like, how do we deal with friends in those seasons? Yeah. Or yeah. Or that transition. Yeah. Or cause I remember like, this is how deep this goes for me. Cause this is a real core thing in my life. I remember my aunt, um, who's my mom's younger sister. Okay. And, um, you know, my mom was only 21 when she had me. So my aunt was, I don't know, teens something like that Mm -hmm. and so growing up until about the age of five or so like we did everything like we'd go rollerblading around the neighborhood and go to the library like all sorts of fun stuff and I can remember distinctly the night before she got married and I love my uncle I think he's awesome but I remember sobbing in my bed as a as a five-year-old because I was losing my aunt and she was going to be with this other guy, right. like instead of hanging out with me. Right, right. And then the same thing would happen every graduation, like every May in mm. high school. These friends that I had made is like, they're going away. Like our relationship is changing. I may never talk to them again. And if I do, it's going to be different. They're going to be in college. Like it was a real, mm-hmm. like, and it still hits me hard to this day. I'm, I'm able, I've developed enough where it's not as distressing a situation and I'm able to manage it a lot sure. better, but that's still like but you re- sensitive. But you, but you recognize what it is. Oh yeah, I hate loss. Even oh. if it's not really loss, it's just transition. <laughs> right. No, and and I agree. Like I remember. So uh, if you're listening, shout out to Adam Atchison, who is the news anchor at KKTV. Uh, uh, but he and I were close, close friends in high school, uh, up in Fort Collins, and he was a senior. I was a junior. We were, you know, we're close to the same age, but he was a year ahead of me. Yeah. And uh, I remember he was just going to go to CSU. Okay. But everything changed. Mm. No, we still saw each other and we still hung out and that kind of stuff. But you think about the mindset of I'm a college student now. Am I going to go hang out with a high schooler? Even though there's six months age difference, you know, even though there's, and I'm not saying he did that. And we hung out and we were still friends and then we lost track. And then lo and behold, he shows up here and, yeah, Colorado Springs he comes back. The, he leaves, comes back <laughs> as the news anchor. Yeah. You know, and and just life still. I mean, we're we love seeing each other and, yeah. and talking, but you know, we haven't rekindled that kind of friendship. Yeah. 
but that's okay. But it seems like that life is full of these things yeah. where um, roles change, positions change, yeah. uh, status changes, yep. you know, and and the friendship changes. And mm-hmm. my, I guess my question is, why do we hold on to those things when we know logically that this is just life? Yeah. Like, like life is made up of seasons. There's a really beautiful quote by A.W. Tozer that I've switched a little bit because it flows better this way. Whatever. Sorry, Tozer. That can be, you know, my own ego thing. <laughs> but the phrase, the, the quote is, we are immortal beings longing for permanency in a world that reminds us of change and death. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it feels so true to me as a person. It feels true to my spirit. And I think it speaks to what you're asking about of like, we, we long for those times. We miss those times. We think back fondly about them. We uh, despise the loss and the change because it is a reminder of change and death to sure. our, our being, which is immortal and longing for permanence. Yes. I love that. And, and Tozer I think would be a proud with, you know, hopefully a, a good, did it justice there. I, but that, so that let's break that down a little bit more because I think, you know, thinking about let's say high school. Now I know I'm far, far. I'm like I'm. This is my twenty, be my twenty first reunion this this year. I'm gonna oddly date myself here yeah. because there's gonna be a group that says, "Oh, you're super, you're old now," and the group that says, "Oh, you're so cute and young." Yeah, yeah. My ten year anniversary uh, high school reunion is coming up this year, so I'm at twenty one, and you're at ten. Yep. But that that feels weird, doesn't it? I mm-hmm. mean, think about that. You know, I'm ten years removed from high school. I'm twenty one years removed from high school. But it's so. I think the question I've been thinking about, and this is just let's relate it to the high school, but this can be related to anything. Mm-hmm. Was the friendship in high school due to positioning more so than relationship? <laughs> so there's this there's this guy. I don't even remember his name because I don't think he's worthwhile to credit this towards, but he, he, he credits himself with the theory of proximity huh. that we are friends with people we are in proximity with. Okay. <laughs> and so the reason it's funny to me is because like, obviously you're friends with the people you're near yeah, physically. That makes sense. Like, yeah. I mean, that just like right. is how things work. And I don't think anybody really questions that. Like it's kind of known. And that's a lot of what high school is, is, Proximity. Yeah, we have to sit in class together, and your desk was next to mine, so I guess we're friends. Or enemies, or somewhere in between. Right, yeah, exactly. So why, but like from a humanistic standpoint, why is it that way? Mm. Do you think about um, jobs? Mm -hmm. Do you think about uh, neighborhoods? Mm -hmm. You know, we we love our neighbors. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you right now that if we were to move. Yeah. We might, they might get a Christmas card. We might get a Christmas card. Mm-hmm. But that, the depth of that friendship mm. may not stay the same. Is yeah. that bad or good? I don't know. Like, mm. but you think about but jobs. You know, yeah. you, you develop some close relationships in a in a workplace when yeah. people leave. Should it be the end of a friendship? Mm. I mean, I, I, these yeah. are these are just questions. No, I don't know if are, I have answers to these, but those are really thought provoking questions. Because. I mean, you know me. I'm not. I don't like absolutes. But that's and why so, I ask those questions in that way, just to see. You know. Yeah, it, I don't think there is an absolute. Like, 
does X mean Y right. in relationships particularly? But I think like, I think the phrase that keeps coming to mind as you were asking those questions is like, it doesn't have to. But what makes it, you know, like, I think then what's the defining line? What keeps it from mm. going, you know, going the way it usually goes, usually, mm-hmm. like absolute there, but like to, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I, mean, I, have, a, I have a word that's in my mind, but I want to see what your thought is on that first. I think it's commitment. Yeah. I was, I was going to say intentionality. Mm, I like intentionality. Yeah, but commitment and intentionality. Yeah. Because I'm even thinking like Peter Jordahl moved um, over a year ago to Washington. Um, and he's, he's now in Silverdale. And I really hope he comes back. But I remember when he left making a commitment like, hey, man, I'm not going to let this friendship change or subside. die. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I'm going to lean harder into it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not good at long distance relationships. Like I just don't. Right. I mean, I don't do a good job of maintaining close proximity relationships, let alone if I don't see you. Um, and so like and, and, you know, our friendship has flourished over the past year and right. plus because of that intentionality yeah. and the commitment. Yeah. And there's other friends that like. You know, it's kind of going back to our equity conversation almost of like, here's a little bit of commitment and intentionality. Oh, it's not returned. You know, I really like you. I'm going to do another another step. No, it wasn't returned. Okay, I'm going to try one more time. Okay, well, I'm going to keep the door open. But well, it brings up a couple of my a couple of things. There's there's friendships that are reciprocal. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to step out. Oh, it's returned. Okay, I'm going to step out again. It's returned. Okay, yeah. that dance. But then I think there's friendships of convenience. Hmm. Say more on that. Well, I think about. Uh, I can think of a number of friends in my life where I provided something for them, mm-hmm. or they provided something for me. So I'm not mm-hmm. putting it all on them. Like, sure, sure. That sounds egotistical. <laughs> all of our ego is going to come. Out y'all today. come out today. But you think about it. Like, I'm getting something. Yeah. From them. Yeah. And until. And and then and I'll be friends with them because of that, and then when that dries up, hmm. am I really friends again? So I think there's the friendship. And I think that we can take a step back. Is that manipulative? Yeah. Is that wrong? Is that wrong? And I don't know. Yeah. I I think when when it can when, be it can be. I think when relationships end and that's the only basis for the relationship. Yeah. I think that hurts. Yeah. But well, and I remember too, as a young kid. Um, a neighborhood friend and family friend who I wasn't super close with. Like we hung out, but I mostly hung out with like their siblings. Right, right. They had Halo 1. Okay. And I wanted to play it. And um, I really struggled with like, can I ask this person for like to borrow this game? Is that appropriate for our relationship? Is that like... And does it feel like I'm just using them as a friend? Like right. that was a lot of right. my thinking is like, you know, I was probably 10 maybe. I don't know. I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't very old. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember really processing through like, can I ask them? Do I need to like hang out with them a few times before I ask to borrow the game? Right. Uh, even though because we haven't hung out. Right. Like right. very much. And I think that. You know, that was beneficial for my development because I really learned, like, you know, the ideal of if you can accept no as an answer, ask him right. a question. Right, right. And also recognizing some of that tendency that I might have towards, 
manipulating a relationship to get something and how, how can I be mindful? Like, am I actually investing in this relationship or is there something that I want out of this relationship? But I don't think people are that self-aware. And that's, that's that's where when I say, I I balked a little bit when I said relationships of convenience, because I don't think people, very few people go into a relationship Mm -hmm. going, what can I get from that person? Mm -hmm. But I wonder what, what creates that kind of mindset? Hmm. Because yeah, I don't. I really do believe that people are not in, innately vindictive, mm-hmm. or you know. So if I enter that relationship and I'm expecting something from them, mm-hmm. that maybe comes because of something I see, something mm-hmm. I need. But to go in there and go, I'm just going to manipulate this for that yeah. thing. I don't. I don't really think that that's the case for a lot of people. Right. But and I, I think that would be more definitive of another issue. Sure, but. But so my question though is, you know, what what needs to happen? This is a two part question. Like, what needs to happen for that type of self awareness to be there, mm-hmm. or what needs what what has happened for that self awareness to be gone? Mm. You know, what I mean, like, I don't I'm going to keep bringing it back to childhood. Yeah. So, but not mine in this one. More of like a broad. Like, do we teach a child to act poorly? No, that's just nature. Yeah. I mean, just the selfishness of the, we call it infantile narcissism. Like, right. I mean, that's just, yeah. So do we teach someone to not have self-awareness? That gets a little bit more complicated. <laughs> True. <laughs> but in a broad sense, probably not. Well, no. And you think about the tendency for parents. So if parents are not taught or trained, the tendency is my kid is upset how do I keep them from being upset? Mm-hmm. And that creates an ego state that mm-hmm. is not good. Mm-hmm. And so you think, okay, if that's the case and and this kid has never been mm. challenged in grit or resiliency mm-hmm. or those kind of things that we talk about all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then do they develop this ego state of survival? Mm-hmm. And so relationships are built on convenience. And when mm-hmm. that convenience is done, they move on. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people I've known in my life that it just felt like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done with you. You've given me everything I needed. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm moving on. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what the heck? Yeah. Like, I was more invested than that, you right. know, but, but. Well, and to throw uh, another wrench into this conversation. Please, I love it. Gosh, this gets a little bit personal. I'm going to try to push it away from me a little bit. <laughs> There's the other side of that, too. Where there are some individuals that set up such high or really do a lot of gatekeeping on their relationships is what it is of, yeah, I'm going to really take my time to figure out if I let you in at all. Yeah. Like, you know, I have one individual that I'm not very close friends with, but I met him and one of his friends essentially said something along the lines of like he's he gatekeeps his friendships like. You know, he's not going to be friends with you unless he chooses to. Mm. And for me, that was like, oh, well, this is now a badge of honor that I must pursue. And like it helped that I genuinely liked the guy. Um, But it was it was interesting for me even to see like, oh, this is a really easy way to keep people from using you, hurting hurting you. you. And it's it's, you know, essentially a boundary that can lean towards unhealth very easily. Yeah, because I'm thinking about leaders that I've met that mm-hmm. are very guarded. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, there's one that comes to my yeah. mind that I'm sure you're thinking of. Part of it makes sense. Yeah. That's why I say it leans towards unhealth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I so I think if, you know, if that's the opposite and the other one, you know, if we think about like the code codependency teeter-totter sure. of yeah. narcissism, codependency takers versus givers. Right. Um, I think that, you know, finding that balance, sometimes it's easier to know the opposite, know something by its opposite. Mm. And so if it's the gatekeepers that are the opposite of the relationships of convenience, I think it may speak to those boundaries personally that if I'm investing in relationships of convenience, it may speak to the boundaries that I have of my own personhood, of my relationships, what I define as a friendship. Yeah. And uh, as, as you know, also like how I care for other people, like are they somebody I'm using or are they somebody that I'm investing into and getting a return that I enjoy? The word investing, I think, is a really good word, mm -hmm. right? I mean, let's think about our friendship. Yeah. The in initially was me investing mm -hmm. because you asked. Very hard investing into me, yeah. And, and that's and that, that I knew what, what I was getting into. Yeah. I wanted to. I loved it. Mm -hmm. But it didn't take long for that to be reciprocal. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe six months, eight months. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like I was investing, 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 and no right. return. Like it was... Like, and, but I think that speaks a whole nother conversation about marriages, mm. right? You know, I, I mean, how many times have you worked with a couple and they're mm -hmm. like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and there's nothing being returned? Yeah. I'm like, well, but think about their hurts. Think about their woundedness. Think about the reason you're here. Yeah. Like you had an affair. Right. Like, you know, early on, you were young, you were stupid, whatever. And and now you want it to all be well. So how how long is it going to take for you to invest before that's reciprocated? Well, there's no formula, right? Right for relationships in general. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So there's no formula. But I think, you know, again. So I'm not going to go down that path of of marriage relationships because I think that's a whole other conversation yeah. we can talk about. So let's just put a pin in that. But I think each of us need to have kind of a framework in our minds of going. How much am I willing to invest in this person? Mm -hmm. Without an ROI, return on investment, mm -hmm. and and I think we can scaffold that in some ways to mm -hmm. go. Okay, this group, these group of people, I know I'm going to invest. I'm going to invest X amount because yeah. I know that either there's not the capability of re return, mm -hmm. or that's not the purpose. Mm -hmm. As you're talking, I'm even thinking about the opposite. There have been two situations in my life where there was an individual who was investing and in, in like spending money. Right. Like taking like we would go to concerts and we would like do all, do things together. Sure. Um, and there was this sense of like guilt. Like I had to be their friend because they kept spending money on me. And because they had spent mm. money on me, I needed to maintain the relationship. Right. And as I maintained the relationship, they would spend more money on me. Just got unhealthy. And it, it really spiraled into unhealth and it was uncomfortable. And, you know, at that point I didn't have the, the skills or tools to be able to, say anything and do anything. Mm. You just didn't know what to do. I kind of stayed in it until somebody else stepped in and yeah. helped me out. So I think, you know, there's, there's also that end of the friendships of convenience where, you know, you can use your power or your um, ability, whatever, um, to create friendships of convenience or yeah. of, you know, 
you invest so much that you're wanting reciprocity and guilting them into reciprocity, um, which is interesting as well. It is. And I I just thinking about, you know, as both of us are kind of coming out of a year of burnout, Mm -hmm. not a lot of margin Mm -hmm. into a new year Mm -hmm. where I think there's margin building Mm -hmm. like significantly. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it just comes back to the conversation of, of answering the question of who am I Mm -hmm. and am I okay with that? Mm. And am I drawing from those strengths Mm -hmm. and not, needing mm. somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this is the, you know, we talk about, and we'll talk more about this, you know, through the Mayfield Collective of just boundaries. Yeah. But I think that there's those rhythms of how am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like not in, in some, maybe in some ways, a little bit of an egotistical way. Like I'm pretty good. Yeah. I like myself. Yeah. And I don't think that's, I mean, Freud would say it's egotistical. Yeah, but, but yeah, I think there's, there's some health to that. Going So if I'm feeling okay and I'm okay with who I am, then I don't need you mm-hmm. to feel anything in me. Yeah. But I want to learn from you. Yeah. I want to grow from you. And then there, there enters that risk of yeah. entering into a relationship that may or may not be reciprocal. Yeah. And then if we are okay with ourselves, we know then, okay, I'm going to go a certain amount. Yeah. And if it's not returned... Then, then that's okay yeah. because I'm not going to be hurt by that because yeah. I'm okay with who I am. And again, that's, again, we have offshoots of a whole bunch of different conversations right. here, but I think, because I think I, our, the listeners on this episode are probably going, okay, this is great, and I can track with that, but it's really existential. Like, yeah, what, like what, what do we do what with now? it? What do we do with it? Well, and I think like I'm coming to the point where like the phrase of reciprocity and equity are non-transactional. Speak to that more. You probably went over some people's heads there. Probably. <laughs> so we've talked about reciprocity a lot today. Right. And we, Re- reciprocity, again, is just the the give and take of a relationship yeah. that's mutually beneficial. Yep. And we talked about equity a few episodes right. ago. So go back and listen to that if you need a, a, a refresher. And and I think today we've touched on some transactional yep. aspects of relationship Transactional well. meaning what? Meaning that it's a I give and you give back. I give you something and you give me something in return. I put my card into the ATM machine and I punch in some numbers and cash pops out. Right. That's a transaction. There's, yeah. you know, uh, and that is formulaic. It is. Even if it's wrong, you know, I can go to eBay and I can make a transaction for something that's, you know, marked 10 times its price, but it's still a transaction. But that, but the transaction has to be equitable mm-hmm. and reciprocal. Well, I would say. Or you say no. That. Reciprocal call. (laughs) Reciprocity. Reciprocity (laughs) and equity in relationships is non-transactional. Because whenever we fall into Uh, transaction. Yep, no, I like that. Then it's a quid pro quo. Yeah, it becomes, well, I bought coffee for Mark last week. This is like rarely ever happened. Uh, (laughs) Let let me switch it so it's more accurate. Mark (laughs) bought me coffee last week and like several times before that too. So I now have to buy him coffee. Right. But I go me going into buying you coffee, there was no no thought that Trevor better re, you know. Right. Just, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, reciprocity and equity are not and, and the reciprocity okay. equity would say, Hey Trevor, you know, I would really appreciate it if you would get me coffee next Wednesday. That would mean a lot to me. And and then based out of our relationship, right. if it's recipro- reciprocal <laughs> my response would most likely be like oh yeah awesome let me what kind of coffee like how do you want to do this um not in a like 
let me tab up the numbers and see if you, you know, deserve to have a coffee from me. Right. Um, which I think is the transactional nature, which I think is a foundational part of relationships of convenience. Mm, I like that. I mean, it makes me want to take stock of some things. Actually, I have been taking stock of some things. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I don't know where you've, well, I can probably guess where you are on this one. Uh, I, most of my life have been a trust first mm. person. I think you can guess where I am I, on that I one. Totally guess, <laughs> totally guess where you are on that one. Not that way. Um, but I'm really beginning to realize that, that it's, it shouldn't be an either or. Yeah. And I'm realizing, you know, I'm going to be 40 this year. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay to trust first in some situations yeah. and it's okay not to yeah. in others. Um, and so I think as our listeners, as listeners, just think of, take stock of your relationships. Yeah. Think about the reciprocity of your relationships. Think about the equity of your mm-hmm. relationships. Are they quid pro quo and transactional? Like I do this and I'm expecting this in return. Yeah. Um, that can be exhausting. Yeah. And if you need somebody to talk to, you know, give us a call. We've got, especially if you're in Colorado, we've got teletherapists mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. that can help you out. Um, but then also be looking for Mayfield Collective because yeah. there's going to be a lot of fantastic resources oh, yeah. on these conversations. 